Yeah, Meg's a very fascinating person. Here's the thing. First off, th there's two things that are very interesting about Meg. The first yeah. one, okay. not only just two things. There's like at least seven. I have a list written down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm already embarrassing myself. We're off to a great start. Two things. First off, she has so many achievements that when I had to put together the list of, of everything, everything she's achieved in, in athletics, I looked at that and I'm like, how is it that she has all of this? And I came in seventh in the spelling bee in fourth grade. <laughs> By the way, there was only six participants. So <laughs> good. There's that. And also you're fending off death on numerous occasions. You're one of the toughest women I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. I, I guess my first question is, how dare you? I, I don't understand <laughs> how you could be that impressive to have so many achievements and, and also to really survive some, some really dangerous things. So first off, a blood clot, which is terrifying. It I was mean, terrifying, it was horrible. Um, I, hopefully, you know, no one that I know has to experience that because it was uh, extremely scary, obviously life-threatening. Um, but it was uh, like interesting recovering from that. Like I'll, I'll go kind of backwards and, and talk about it. But when I was recovering from it, uh, like mentally, it was really, really challenging too, because um, it was something people didn't see. So they're like, you look fine. Like, <laughs> you know, why yeah. aren't you, why aren't you competing? You know? And that was, uh, so that was a little bit difficult, but yeah, I can talk. I can elaborate more on it if you want me to. But. So the, the blood clot had happened while you were competing, correct? Um, so it was actually when, so every year for skeleton, um, we have to do a combine test, which is kind of like when you hear like the NFL combine, we do something similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's like, you know, um, sprints and max level lifts and agilities. It's all this testing. It's just like an annual evaluation. And so it was actually during that. And um I'd been training, you know, all summer leading up to this event. It was in August of um, 2012. And I'm supposed to be, I'm a returning athlete at this time. And I'm like supposed to be performing really well. And I couldn't even like jog a lap to warm up. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a good day. And uh, so I, I remember I, I took one of the, the first sprints. It's like 45 meters. And for someone who's like training for sprinting, 45 meters is nothing. It's half of a straightaway on a track yeah and so i literally like collapsed after that and i was gasping for air and I, i'm sure that people around me were like you know this is supposed to be she's supposed to be good you know like, <laughs> but, um, yeah so you're going through emotional and physical turmoil turmoil it, at this point it, yeah because i because i didn't know what was going on either you know i was like man i don't know there's something really wrong um and but it was also it was embarrassing for me because i'm like no. Well, and there's coaches there, like other athletes, new athletes. So um, it was really rough because I, they're like, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> and I couldn't explain it. I'm like, I don't know. Something's really wrong though. And um, I somehow made it through this whole, I mean, it was an all day thing. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it probably takes five, six hours or something because uh, they have a break in between um, the like sprinting part and the lifting part. And, um, I somehow made it through the day. I actually had one of the highest combine scores, um, 
of anybody who was taking it at that time, which is if, if you told me I had to go back and do that again, <laughs> not a big like, deal. <laughs> no chance, no chance. Like I, I, some of the stuff actually lifting wise, I've never done since then. I like, I have, I, I, an absolute miracle. Like I have no idea how I survived that <laughs> five to six hour day. You don't even know that you have a blood clot at the time. Right. And yet still, <laughs> I, honestly, I would have to tell you that, well, one, it was like the, the ignorance of not knowing what it was. And mm -hmm. so, um, I think being, or like being oblivious rather that I didn't know, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know how serious it was. I mean, it felt really serious, but yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think not knowing that and knowing that like, okay, I just have to like complete this day and then I can go to the doctor, you know? I, right. So I think that it was just like the, the tenacity came out because I was like, okay, I can, I can just take this like one step at a time. I can do this. It's fine. And, um, that was like one of my prouder moments in terms of like mental strength is probably yeah. that day. Cause, um, like I said, if, if I had to do that, Repeat that. There's not a chance. I, there's no way. <laughs> did did anybody did anybody stop and talk to you while you're you know gasping and you know kind of just saying were you just sitting on the floor? Did anybody come up to you and say something? You no, know, not really. I actually had a, a coach there that was um, someone who was coaching me and like lifting and stuff at the time came to watch because there were a couple of us that trained under him. And um, this is in in Park City, Utah, at the time, in uh, August of 2012, and um, he was just like. I mean, it was funny because people were trying to like, it was like the elephant in the room. They're like, uh, yeah. like there's something wrong with you. <laughs> How do you bring I, this I'm up? I'm not going to address, address <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so they're just like, uh, like, are you okay? But nobody really came up to me. It was, it was the weirdest thing. Cause I'm sure that they were uncomfortable, but no one was like, you know, should you, should you be doing this? Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's a terrifying feeling. So you, you went to the doctor, how soon after you had that, at that five, six oh hour day? I, when I left, I went straight to an urgent care. So you literally just drove there right away. I, yeah, I drove yeah. there. I was just like, this is bad. Um, but I, I told him, so to kind of backtrack. So I, um, in 2012, so I do skeleton for people don't, that don't know skeleton is a winter sliding sport. It's like luge, but head first. And uh, you go down on the same track as bobsled. So like cool runnings, we're on that same track. Nice. There's a running start. And so we have to be strong and fast and we run and jump onto the sled. And it's like, you know, childhood sledding on steroids. And so um, I had just, I had started skeleton in like, um, I, th I started competing in 2011 and I was the national champion in March of 2012. And so I moved to Park City, Utah, because I was going to train there. Um, they have what's called a push track, which is just something you can uh, practice the running start on. And so I was like, okay, I'm like really committed. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to get better and, and train. And, uh, you know, leading up to the, um, the 2014 Olympic Games, because for us, the Olympic trials are in the fall of 2013. And so um, I was just, you know, trying to be really committed. I was buying a new sled and all of these things. And so um, I had come off of being the national champion. And then um, in August, I actually had started this birth control, which was Nuvering. And I'd never been on a birth control ever before. And um, I actually started showing symptoms of, of blood clots. Like I didn't realize it at the time, but um, 
within 10 days of starting it. So I started to have, yeah, I started to have difficulty breathing. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like super obvious. I don't think if I was training as hard as I do and I'm like pretty aware of my body as like lame as that sounds. Uh, I don't think that anyone else would have noticed it because it was just like my recovery, like in between sprints was just like, I felt like I was just a hair out of breath. Like it was so minor, but I could notice it. And then, um, as time went on, it just started to get like a little bit worse, just a little bit worse. And then, and I was like, man, you know, I've been out here in Utah. There's been fires here. My teammate had mono. I didn't make out with them, but maybe I somehow got it. (laughs) That's teammate bonding right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know much about skeleton, but you know, (laughs) if it works, it works. Is is that like a thing? (laughs) No, it's not a thing. I mean, not to my knowledge. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not included in that portion. Like, oh, we're not going to include Megan in this. Yeah. I I mean, you still want awards, so clearly it doesn't work out for them. It says here in my contract, I have to make out with my teammate. That's really weird. All right. Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm, um, I started taking that birth control and then I had difficulty breathing and I go, it's like, just like me, 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 kind of creeping up, like getting a little bit worse as the day goes on. But then the day that I took this combine test, it was so bad. Like it was exponentially worse in, you know, 12 hours. So how and- long was it between when you first got it and when the combine was? Um, um, that might've been 10 days actually. Really? Whoa. Whoa. So that happened like quick. Your body was like, don't like this. And I I do think that like the fact that I trained a lot, I think like, I think it probably brought it out sooner than, um, than it would for someone else who wasn't training like I was training. Well, just because I, well, the reason why I say so is just because um, with other friends of mine who we talk like girl talk with birth control and stuff. And usually like you start to after a month or two or even three, that's when you start to like, whoa, my body is like acting funny or sometimes you'll gain a lot of weight or you'll get extra acne or whatever. But 10 days, like for me, I don't know if that's like common or not, but like from just stories that I've heard throughout my life, that seems like honestly, like, yeah, you seem really in tune with your body. Yeah. But it even you know. still, like even still, it was exponential, like to the point where I couldn't be holding this conversation. Like I couldn't, I was not able to hold a conversation Whoa. without like gasping Jesus. for air. And then I was like, um, you know, I couldn't catch my breath walking upstairs, like stuff that was like really unusual for me. I mean, I'm, I still get tired walking upstairs, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's just stairs thing. suck like, for everyone. Once They're- you turn thirty, it's like <laughs> you know you can't walk. Oh, that's something Um, to look forward to. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Christian, you got a long way to go. Why don't you calm down? Six (laughs) years, brother. Uh, Yeah, so then I I actually flew from Park City uh, to Florida. My boyfriend at the time was in Florida. And which is so like, if you fly with blood clots, it's like a super big no, no, like people are like, really, the the risk of death is so high. Um, Because blood clots, it's actually really common for people flying to get blood clots because they're sedentary for so long. And then like dehydration, if you're at altitude, um, dehydration is a big cause for blood clots. Usually people like post surgery are also at risk for blood clots. Um, But also, when you're sitting for so long, and you're like, you're 
your heart rate slows down, your, the blood in your legs starts to pool. That's why a lot of people, especially older people will wear like those compression socks when they fly. That's why it's so that it pushes hmm. it. And so hmm. that their, yeah. their blood doesn't pool in their legs and get blood clots. And um, so I flew from Utah to Florida and then I flew from Florida to Connecticut. So two like pretty long flights, uh, which is really dangerous. And I saw a bunch of doctors in between. So I saw that doctor in Utah. I went to the urgent care and the guy uh, that I saw, I feel bad for him because I, I, I laid it on him. I was like, look, this is what happened. Uh, I've been living here. I know there are fires here. I'm having difficulty breathing. Nothing in my life has changed except I started this birth control. And now I can't breathe. And he was like, well, <laughs> maybe we'll give you like an epinephrine shot. Maybe you're just having an allergic reaction to something. And I was like, what? Like, you know, like an <laughs> adrenaline. Sh- I'm like, no fucking chance. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that. I like, you, keep, don't you want can be in skeleton. You're used to adrenaline. I'm sure that's what his thinking was. <laughs> like, he just, I have enough. He just like, I don't on the I roulette think... wheel of things to do to you. He's like, do I yeah. chop off her leg or give her a, a, a little I adrenaline know. shot? And then I'll give her like, a shot. Well, all right. Well, I'll just like, I'll give you this inhaler. I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. And I'm like, what <laughs> the <you> hell? <laughs> Get out of my office. What kind of doctor oh. is this? Who's just so like, I, I don't know. We'll yeah, do this, I guess. The, it doesn't even play one on TV. Control. Oh my gosh. So then I leave and I'm like, okay, I leave. And I even, I called back. I called the, de- the, the urgent care back. And I was like, look, I have just started this birth control. Is it the birth control? Like, can you tell me like, what can I, what the hell should I be doing? And um, they didn't really say anything that, that I remember anyway. Um, Good. And Good. so, yeah. So <laughs> then I, uh, I see another doctor in Florida and, and I call my, my parent. My mother is like obviously losing her shit because I'm across the country and I'm like, this isn't normal. And I had one of those things. I don't know if you have the, the things I put on your finger to see like your blood oxygen percentage. Mm-hmm. Most healthy people are like 94% or above. And I was at like eight, like in the eighties. And that's actually when like your organs and stuff start to fail. Like when people are on their deathbed, that's like, it's like, okay, there's their oxygen saturation is is so it starts to drop. And that's why like things start to fail. And so my mom's like, what the fuck? It was really bad. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. I'll be okay. You know, <laughs> just I, I mean, at this combine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. You can be in a combine. I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's so many terrifying things about, about having you as a daughter, the, the sport yeah, that you're yeah. competing in going head first, going literally head first. Cause I've seen you come down like this, this, and I, I, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. I know I'm a teacher, but I just, cause I'm good at pretending I could see you come down this slope, whatever the terminology is and you're going track. Okay. Slope track. There you go. So you're coming down this track at what seems like a thousand miles an hour. I know it's not, it seems like it though, just you're about blood yeah. clot. And then you were also seeing a doctor who's like, I don't know, I guess I'll give you an inhaler. <laughs> I understand that your mother is 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 freaking out. This is oh, this yeah. must be terrifying for. Are you just like on the phone with her the whole time? Is she having you you know update her? Is, oh yeah, it, she was like, "Call me when you get to the airport. Call me when you get on the plane. Call me when you get off the plane." You know? Yeah. What is what is your boyfriend at the time? What is his perspective on everything that's happening? Um, I I don't think he really gave a shit. This is this might Good. be one of the reasons why we broke up. But yeah. no, he was just like that's some that's some great. <laughs> he sounds like the doctor. He was like, he's like, you're fine. Because I was like complaining. He's like, you're you're fine. Like you're just 
you know, you're, you're like, oh, you're wow. overreacting. And I'm like, no. And so I went to an urgent care there too. And I saw, so while I was in Florida, I saw two doctors while I was there. Cause I was like, no, this is so bad. Oh, and we tried to go run. We tried to go run. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to try to go run together. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I, he was like, you know, come on, you're being like dramatic. Cause I'm like, you know, <laughs> catch my breath. and, uh, I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm not a dramatic person. Okay. I mean, maybe in some instances, cause I'm a Gemini, but you know, uh, <laughs> um, oh boy. but <laughs> I'm not like, I don't know. I, I would not like dramatize, like being in pain and like being sick right. and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't like, I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to do that. So for me, it was really out of character. And then I leave there and I call, I'm talking to my mom and I'm like, yo, I went to two other doctors and like one of them gave me an antibiotic because I think maybe I have a respiratory infection, but they told me to see a pulmonologist and I can't get to see one while I'm here. And so she schedules one and the guy is like totally booked out. I couldn't see him for, I don't know, several days anyway. So in that time, <laughs> I go, when I go home, I go see my primary care doctor who's like, you need to go see a pulmonologist. Um, I can give you another, a different inhaler in the meantime. And then I went to another urgent care to get a chest x-ray. And then, um, then I go see this pulmonologist. And so I go to the pulmonologist's office and I'm like, yay, everything's going to be great. And <laughs> um, he, I'm telling the same story over and over again. And he's like, well, uh, you know, I really hope that I'm wrong, but I think that you have uh, b blood clots in both your lungs. I'm going to need you to go get an emergency CAT scan and be rushed to the hospital because this is really, really serious. Jesus. And um, I was like, nah, this guy's wrong. <laughs> you know, this is the only the guy who you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, nah, that, that's not me. I don't have that, you know? Yeah. And um, because he's like, this is really serious. Like, you're like a ticking time bomb. And, um, so go to this, um, go, uh, what the heck is it called? Like an imaging center or whatever. They do a CAT scan. They like, they were like waiting there with the doors open for me to get there and like rush me in there. They do a CAT scan of my lungs and then they did an ultrasound of my legs and you can interrupt me if I'm rambling, but <laughs> um, keep going. This is great. <laughs> no. We're so listening I intently. <laughs> so I, uh, I go into this place and they're, you know, they do the CAT scan and the, it's like one of those ones where they, um, inject you with like the ink or whatever. It's not Wait, I'm sorry. Ink. What's I happening? What, I, I've never had a CAT, CAT scan huh? before. They, they inject you with ink. This is they, not a normal it, occurrence for me. It's like a dye. Me. It's a dye. They inject, they inject you, with, you with it? Yes. What's they the purpose of that? They inject this dye because, so it creates like a contrast, I think, so that they can see stuff better. Um, so they, it's like really temporary and it flushes like out of your system, but it's the weirdest thing because, well, it feels like hot when it comes, like when it goes into right. your veins and then they're like, they, this is what they tell you. They're like, okay, this it's going to come in and come up into your veins and you're going to feel like a really metallic, it's going to taste like you're swallowing pennies or nickels in your throat. And then it's going to feel like you are going to wet your pants because it like what the makes your bladder really warm. And I'm like, what is that? That's like birth happening? control side effects. Oh my God. Take me back to the other doctor. Right, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, I had to do that twice, a CAT scan twice, like throughout this recovery. That was the weirdest thing. 
Um, so I feel bad for people who have to do that because it's so strange. And oh my it's god! Disgusting. It almost tastes like you're swallowing blood. It's like that like metallic-y taste. It's it's just not even fair to be a woman. It's either you get pregnant <laughs> no, and you go no, through horrifying not. things, or you don't get pregnant and you still go through horrifying things. I know. I know. <laughs> um, wow. So I go, I get the CAT scan and I'm sitting there in, for whatever reason, this dark room <laughs> that they're doing, they're like scanning my legs with the ultrasound to see if there's blood clots in my legs. And it's pretty dark in there. And they come and they hand, somebody rests and hands me this telephone and it's the doctor. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then <laughs> he's like, uh, Megan, I have some like really bad news for you. You have um, multiple bilateral pulmonary embolisms in both lungs. And you have a blood clot off of the main branch of a pulmonary artery, which is why you had such a hard time breathing. And uh, I'm sending an ambulance to come get you. And Jesus. you have to go to the hospital right oh, away. Fuck. And I was like, what? So I just started hysterically bawling, like from like the depths of your soul. Like, yeah. That's I was I now probably done the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I'm <laughs> a month out from, from competing. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, what? And so my parents come, my mom wasn't there and, uh, but they end up coming to this imaging place. They didn't know that I was on this birth control. So they're like, what the hell is wrong with Megan? Like they just, they had no clue and they were so thrown off. And, um, so yeah, then they just, they come in and they see me like I'm hysterically crying yeah. and then I get taken away on this ambulance and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so and, things are going um, well with Megan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom's so, still not worried about anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> she's fine. She'll walk this off. It's all good. That's yeah, right. she'll walk. She'll walk this off. <laughs> um, I'm in the ambulance, and I, they're like, I don't know. They're just transporting me, basically. Um, and I'm saying to one of the girls in there that you know I do skeleton and blah blah blah, and I'm supposed to start competing. Like, do you think I'm gonna be able to compete in like the next couple of months? She was like, Oh no, honey. She's like, Not a chance. Oh, and I'm man. like, What? <laughs> So then <laughs> I get admitted, I go to the emergency room, I get admitted and um, they inject you with these um, blood thinners into your stomach. And it's like, ugh, it's the worst feeling. Ever. Oh God. Is it a needle that goes directly into your stomach? Oh yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's, it goes into the skin. It's supposed to be like in like fatty areas, I guess. So that usually like the stomach is the best place for it and you can't inject the same place twice. And so, like, you end up having, like, these, like, bruises and shit all over your stomach. Oh, wow. And so God. they're just, like, keeping me there to stabilize me. Um, and so you have to wait until your blood level, like, reaches a certain thinness before they'll let you out of the hospital. So I was bedridden in the hospital for a week. And um, then when I was released, I was put on blood thinners that I took orally. And um, that was another horrible thing in itself because uh the, the blood thinner that i was on you have to monitor and um get your blood checked all the time to check and see that you're in a stable level and also like the foods that you eat affect it so it was just like just terrible constantly um, having to balance everything yeah and so when i first got out of the hospital they're like okay well you can walk for 10 minutes a day and i was like what you <laughs> you're like serious? not good enough <laughs> so um that was really bizarre to me because I'd just been training like intensely five to six days a week, you know, sometimes twice a day at that time. So you and, were, you, you were in the hospital for a week, right? And you get, you right. get released. How many more weeks until 
until skeleton. Um, I went into the hospital um, September 11th of 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I skeleton, like our first, like um, we had push championships, which was like our first like competitive type thing, but not actually sliding was in September. So I missed mm-hmm. that. And then our team trials are always in October. They start in October. So it was like a month later that um, people would be starting to compete. Yeah. And, um, it, so that sucked. <laughs> yeah. That must be an awful feeling. So a week, you know, week goes by, you got out of the hospital, you got to, you, you have to take blood thinners. When, when was it, did the doctor start to tell you, okay, you're starting to recover. You can go back to working out. You can go back to training. What was, what was that moment? So while you're oh on blood thinners, they, so they originally <laughs> no. told me you're going to be on blood thinners. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. Oh and I'm like, no, that's not going to be me. Right. <laughs> I, I and, like that. Just no. And because um, they basically your, your CAT scan has to come back clear that these clots have um, basically like shown that they've dissolved and um that that's when that you have to wait until that happens. So you have to stay on blood thinners until that happens. Cause if your um, blood coagulates, it can like, they basically want to keep these clots like stable. Like once they get somewhere and they don't want them to break off and go like into your brain and uh, you have a stroke or have a heart attack. Like they don't want these things to break free. That's why you have to be on blood thinners. And so, um, but there's risks on being on blood thinners too. So for, for me, um, I couldn't train really hard. Like there's a, there, the risk of also bleeding. Like, even if you like, you hit your head on something, um, uh, you, like the bruising and the bleeding risk was for me, I was like, I've, pff, I've come pretty far in this journey and I don't really feel like risking anything mm-hmm. stupid just because I thought that I should be working out when I shouldn't have been. Right. And, um, so it was, I was on blood thinners for eight months. And, um, so I missed that whole season. And so when, basically when I got a CAT scan that said that you're clear, that was when I was cleared to start training. So I could still took eight months though. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, okay, well we'll check in three. So I actually got three of those CAT scans. I'm like, we'll check in three months. And then, um, we waited until eight months because the three month mark was not good enough to be like, okay, in six months you should be all right. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was really horrible. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really challenging for me because I was in and out of doctor's offices a lot in the beginning. I was yeah. like constantly in the doctor's office like five times a week because they had to adjust the dosage. There's a different medication out there now for blood thinners, but um, at the time that's what I was on. And it just, uh, and it, it was a lot of stress on on your cardiovascular system. So I was like sleeping for like 14 hours and, um, but I also couldn't do a lot. Like, like I said, like you can only walk for 10 minutes a day. I had to like breathe into this little machine to like get my lung capacity better. Um, it was so bizarre. It really was. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty incredible of you to be able to go through all of that. And then eight months passes by. And again, this is 2012, correct? So So now, yeah, that's, um, eight months passes. So now we're in the spring of 2013. Yeah. So were you, 
jumping for joy like you couldn't believe it when you could go back to training and then competing? <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> I was really I was very stoked. Um I I I mean I had pretty much convinced myself that I was going to be cleared when we did that second CAT scan. And and the thing is also like I had to also be checked for blood clotting disorders. Mm-hmm. So I had to take a million blood Christ. tests. Like, um, I think they had 32 vials. They took 32 vials. Whoa. I was going to say that. Sure I was that about I to say no... that. Like, Sorry. Do you have blood left? Are you, like a, are like you a all right? I'm a spaghetti noodle at this point. <laughs> I could sense Christian about to, uh, he, he, I, I could feel it on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah. 32 vials of your blood. Yeah. And uh, that's to check to see that I didn't have like a genetic predisposition and that right. it really was um, the birth control. Because if I did have a genetic predisposition, they were basically like, you're going to be on blood thinners for the rest of your life. So that definitely means you're not doing skeleton. Yeah. And um, and that was really hard for me to hear because they, they told me that actually right out of when I got out of the hospital. Really? And so that was like when they were like, you know, you may never be an athlete ever again. Uh, I had a really hard time with that because yeah, of course. Um, I had been an athlete most of my life. So I really identified with that. And I was just like, um, I, you know, if that was the case, I obviously would have adapted and, you know, life goes on, but it was really, really difficult for me to hear. And um, I know doctors have to be like bleak <laughs> and paint the yeah. worst case scenario, but it was, it was really rough. And, um, and I didn't know. That's the other thing. Like I didn't know for certain because um, I took the, that test with the 32 vials twice and I did it while I was on blood thinners. And they're like, you're going to have to take it again when you get off Good of blood Lord. thinners to make sure that Good the blood thinners Lord. throw off the results. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> do you have any um, like resentment against Nuvering? Because be they're like yeah. the devil Su-su-su. like in the situation. Su-su-su-su-su. Yes, I entered a lawsuit. Um, really? Okay. And yeah. Yeah. So um, it didn't it didn't really go well. So actually, a girl. This is insane. So I got come and I'm in the hospital. My parents are visiting me, and my mom's like, "Well, like, I guess maybe birth control was still taboo at that time. I don't know." But um, she was like, "Well, what are you going to tell people? Like, what do you, what do you want us to say when people ask what's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them what happened to me." Yeah, good for and, you. Um, yeah. So I started sharing that and I shared it like on social media and, and, um, and a girl that I went to oh college my with, my teammate, what? or not my teammate, excuse me, my classmate had actually died from Nuvering. Wow. I didn't Whoa. know that that was the cause. Yeah. So she had passed away and I, I thought like maybe she had some like underlying condition that nobody knew about. Like I didn't, it was not someone that I was super close with, so I didn't know. Right. And then um, our mutual friend was like, oh my God, like this is how Erica died and so she put me in touch with her parents who were involved with like some kind of like um I don't know if I would call a support group but they had like families of like parents who lost their daughters and stuff like that so I got really involved in that and then I joined the same lawsuit and um they never went to trial they they ultimately just settled and um it it's like, I, I do have a totally different perspective on pharmaceutical companies and stuff because they offered, their settlement was that if you lost your daughter or wife or sister or whatever, the, 
the settlement payout. What? I think was like, I don't know, seventy thousand dollars. Seventy grand. Oh my like, god. That's the price. Yeah, that's the price that they put on someone's life was seventy thousand dollars, and that. Yeah, and so that was like that was really disgusting for me because I'm like these people like right. they, yeah, I don't know <laughs> that you know not that any sort of monetary settlement would like come yeah, you know, that make it, that chief. pain go away but like seventy thousand certainly isn't it yeah so, like if we could put a dollar on it it's definitely not seventy thousand right wow. so um it's crazy and there were there were like four thousand or five thousand victims in the in the lawsuit oh my and, god um so since then you know i've i've used that experience to kind of tell my story and and kind of be like one i overcame this but also like i really had to be my own advocate there because i it took me five doctors these are mm -hmm. people who are supposed to i mean i handed my diagnosis to them on a silver platter probably. right and um had i listened to the first for doctors. Yeah, what a shame. Um, I may not be here to, to tell this story. So I really, I talk about that, you know, just the risk of Nuvering because there are certain risks that are associated specifically with Nuvering um, that it has like six times the likelihood of blood clots compared to other They're drugs. still so doing it. They're still kicking, right? Yeah. They like people can yeah. still get it, right? Yeah. So um, just so like, so people know that, like, you have your freedom to choose, and if you <laughs> right. want to be on birth control, got a lot of good awesome reasons. Yeah, that's you. A... Um, I will never be on it ever again. But <laughs> yeah, um, understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I just try to like educate people that if you're going to choose, Nuvering probably shouldn't be it because it, it's proven in their in their own clinical trials that it wow. had six times the likelihood of of um, causing blood clots. And yet it's and it's still it's still on the market. Yeah, I think they. I think what happened was that they had to change um, something in their label. I think they had to put that, that that's a risk. So it's like, okay, nobody nobody reads the fine print on anything. They right. Do, so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. God. That's crazy. That's the worst part. Is is not a, they didn't have to change their drug or the ingredients in it. Right. All they had to do was go like, hey, this might kill you. Yeah. Exactly. You know, which is exactly. which is you know, <laughs> it's not fair. So no. you know. I mean, you go through, you go through all of this, you know, the blood clot, you're, you're, you're still an athlete to this day though. Mm -hmm. You're still competing. You can't, which is incredible by the way. Uh, you know, hats off to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but I will clap instead. I feel like a clap is better because <laughs> the listeners at home can hear it. So, um, you know, 2012 is when all of this is going on. How soon were you able to compete the next season? Cause I know you missed that season. Were you able to yeah. compete the next season? Yes. And so, um, in 2012, I was the national champion, and then, but my my international ranking put me as like the fifth highest U.S. person internationally, and um, and then I, when I came back, I could like barely make it inside the top ten in team trials, and you have to be in the top ten to make any sort of circuit. Like we have development circuits, and um, the national team is the top six um, women. And I was like struggling to make it in the top 10. And that's mm -hmm. just because skeleton is, it's only something you can do from October to March. <laughs> right. You can't do it all year. And I was pretty early on in my career at that time. So um, it, it's just something that you really like need the reps on to get good and kind of like develop an understanding. And so all of these people that I was 
beating regularly. They just leapfrog me because they got all this experience that I didn't have. Right. And um, so that was also like, I was already pretty like mentally burnt out and like, <laughs> um, I don't know, just kind of beat up, I guess. And I, I mean, granted, I, I really was like focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, this is not going to be my reality. I'm going to be an athlete again. Everything's going to be good. And like, I'm not saying that I was in denial. Um, but I think that I, I just knew for me, like this was the cause and, um, that's it. Like this is, this is not something that I don't know. I had a genetic predisposition to, um, I just really felt that to be true. And so I, and I had to, I really had to tell myself that there was this hope that I was going to compete again, because that was really how I was able to get by like day by day. And, um, so for me to come back was a really big deal and I was really looking forward to it. But then, um, when I realized kind of where I was, it was, it was like a little bit discouraging. It was hard because I was like, man, this is going to be a long road back. And it really was because I, I didn't make, um, the national team that year, the Olympic year, I did make the national team, but it wasn't going to be good enough to make an Olympic team. And then I made a world championship team in 2015, the year after the Olympics. So world championships is basically like the Olympics of a non-Olympic year. Mm -hmm. And so that was really cool, but it's like, okay, now it's like too little, too late. And then I was just kind of like hovering in, um, in the, in a national team spot for years. So there's two tiers to the, the national team for us. There's a world cup team and that's always the Olympic team, like nine times out of 10. That's who the Olympic team is going to be is if you make the world cup team. And then there's uh, what's called ICC or intercontinental cup team. Those two tiers make up our <laughs> national team. And I was always making the ICC always, always, always for like, you know, five years. Yeah. And um, last year um, in 2018, Jesus. I just missed world cup by one spot by like a couple of hundreds. Oh, um, and so I'm like, God, and then I, I made the world championship team last year. And Ooh. then this year was my first year making world cup. So that, yes. I mean, that's now it's 2020. Like it's, so it's, I mean, that was eight years basically. Um, so it really was, it was really a long road is it, <laughs> journey, but yeah. Is it a sport like, um, like gymnastics, they have like such a window of time from this age to this age. And then all of a sudden, like, you can't compete anymore because you just can't. Like, is it is that the same sort of thing? Listen, when tell it comes that to Brady. To skeleton? <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a little bit more leniency for sure um, in skeleton. But you I mean, it, it's still like mid 30s. It's really not like there's been a couple of outliers who are upper thirties, but like it is, it, it ends up being like mid thirties gotcha. where people kind of tap out. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not going to be doing this when you're 60. One of those outliers that us? just kind of keeps rolling. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. No, my goal is to make the 2022 winter Olympic team. Um, and right now i think that that may be it for me um but i'm not sure i'm not sure how i'll feel at that point in time i'm not i'm not completely closing the door but um kind of right now i'm like okay i'm kind of ready because i've spent most of my life since i graduated college um i'm also in the army so i'm like i've been 
basically been like living out of a suitcase for so, my whole, whole adult life. I have such a question too. And I have been thinking this because I know you're from Connecticut. You're from I'm from Connecticut. We're all Get from Connecticut. Well, you know, Maxwell, you're totally from <laughs> Connecticut now. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how the heck I... I know we do sledding. I know we do as kids and stuff. But what the heck? What day did you just wake up and you're like, I want to go 80 miles per hour down the steepest hill I can find. Like, and maybe um, I'll win a gold medal. Like, <laughs> what? I did was, somebody um, approach you or, or how did I go? Yes. Yes. So I was actually recruited. Um, I So I played sports in college. I played field hockey uh, and I ran track at American University. And I was actually recruited to do bobsled. So my um, my strength coach, I think, was contacted by Alana Myers Taylor, who is a medalist in bobsled, two time medalist for the United States in bobsled. And um, he was like, you know, I think you should go try this. And so I had actually went to basic training in 2009, right after I graduated from college. So I finished all of my training, and I basically went and tried bobsled like as soon as I was done with all of my my basic training and my job training I'm like sure I'll go try where this. is that at where do you like um, go to try bobsled <laughs> in uh so in Lake Placid New York there's a, a track there and then we also have one in Park City Utah but for the most part like there's an Olympic training center in Lake Placid and it's kind of like the I don't know I guess like home base for bobsled and skeleton in the but United but there's States. not like a lot all over the place or is no, there no so they um they and they usually they try and pull so actually like in europe they've been doing this forever like the kids the, the people who are competing in skeleton have been doing it for a long time they they groom them to do this and like in mm. in some of the countries like they're they're well-known people in their area and um so they're you know they're <laughs> basically that's what they do and that's they're like professional skeleton racers and uh and they get compensated for it it's very very different because in the united states uh no one knows what it is and you're self-funded and um it's just a really different life so the level that we're competing against is just you know it, it's totally different because you're also pulling people after college so like 23 ish years old and trying to transfer them to a new sport that someone's been doing since they were a teenager, seven years old. Like, right. It's just really, really different. Um, but they try and pull athletes from other sports like um, football, for example, for the men, track and field, like pretty much anything where you have to be strong and fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you came from the world of field hockey, correct? Because mm -hmm. that's what you played in, in, in high school. Mm -hmm. And college. Yeah, that's right. So is is there do you think there's similar skill sets in athleticism between field hockey and, and, and skeleton? Um, I mean, in field hockey, we have to be strong and fast. I think like the, the agility in terms of um, like quickness and stuff is de definitely carries over. But I would think probably more so <laughs> track and field um, just because we run in a straight line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, it really could be anything, anything, as long as like they're, they're strong and explosive athletes. Like you're probably not going to take someone who runs like, you know, miles and miles. I'm, I'm sure that there's examples, but like, probably not that that's probably not going to transfer over. I, but, I do have um, a question regarding yeah, um, the skeleton and the actual events and stuff like that. Is there a lot of shit talk that goes right. on behind the scenes <laughs> that we don't know about? 
What is an example of, of trash talk between, you know, skeletons and uh, the skeleton racers? <laughs> I'm dying to know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to have to think about this. Um, I wouldn't say directly. I think, okay, there's a lot of weird people that come and get attracted to skeleton. Like, yes, they're athletic people, but they're also like, a lot of them are like brainy, like engineer people. And a lot of them are non-confrontational. I would say oh. like the more like, like manly alpha male is definitely bobsled. And so I think there's probably more, more trash talking <laughs> so the rest going on just in bobsled because only one of them has to have the brains, the pilot, the guy who's driving. Mm -hmm. And so like the rest of the yeah. rest of them are like, I can do that. Like crushing Let's energy go. drinks. I can like, do that. Let's do this. Screaming yeah. at each other and like stuff in the start house and like slamming into the wall. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I think the trash talking probably comes more from them because like in skeleton, everybody's like, when you're in the start house, everybody's like, I'm listening to my headphones and I'm going to like visualize and before I slide, you know, like everybody's like really focused. And, and I would say bobsled pilots are also the same way. It's just that for bobsled brakemen, their only job is I have to be strong and fast for five seconds at the most explosive thing for five <laughs> seconds and get in this sled. Right. So like I'm they, strong they and fast for five seconds. Like, Animals. I don't I'm sure that's right. what they write on their Tinder profiles too. <laughs> Probably, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, let's go. I can be explained. <laughs> I can be fast and explosive for five seconds. Um, Best five seconds of anybody's life. life. That's right. <laughs> so, so in in bobsledding in skeleton skeleton, it's it seems like the name's a little bit literal because you are <laughs> it's it's it is like a skeleton in the way that there's no it doesn't look like you have any protective barrier other than right. just like a skin tight suit and you have your helmet. Yes, that's correct. Uh, is that is it more terrifying than than bobsledding? So, because I was recruited to do bobsled, I have done bobsled. Um, I prefer skeleton because, yeah. um, yes, you're in a sled. However, like crashing in bobsled is really scary. Um, it basically feels like someone put you in a even just making it down without crashing. It feels like someone put you in a trash bin and then shoved you down a, a downhill like and that you're just like rattling around and it's like it's really violent and it, it it to me it's like i there's no way i could be doing that for four years or eight years or whatever it takes to make the olympic team but um, when you hear the car statistics of like a, a car is traveling at 60 miles per hour and hits a wall like the people in the car and they have a protective car wrapped around them so like has that ever like crossed your mind like oh my gosh i'm literally inches away from a potential catastrophe of my entire life i mean um I've had some, I've had a couple of um, interesting crashes and uh, it's it is really scary. Um, how do you crash and how do you crash safely? Do you, are you taught that? <laughs> so for us, um, the one thing I guess that we're taught oh is that God. you're supposed to try and if you're conscious, <laughs> if you're you're supposed to try and rotate <laughs> on the ice so that you don't get ice burn because it's like a road rash. And it's disgusting. Oh. Like it's really, really gross. So um, that's the one thing is that you're just told to like keep trying to like spin and rotate so you're not sitting. Your skin isn't sitting um, on the ice while you're going. Like so, usually people will lose their sled or crash when um, 
they, one, they just haven't executed a turn perfectly and they'll either be like too high up on the end of a corner and they'll come off um, and literally like fall from that corner um, because the essentially if, with, if you look at like centrifugal force, the force is still pulling them up, but the corner ends. So they literally will fall like out of that corner um, or they'll like come and they'll hit a wall and, and just get flipped over. Um, really not fun things. Uh, yeah. It is really, it is, can be really scary, especially like if somebody um, were to like T-bone a wall, like obviously that, that, that is extremely dangerous. Um, and concussions are really high in both bobsled and skeleton. And that's like the big, big risk factor. But um, I guess for, I don't know, they don't really say anything other than that. Like yeah. one, you don't want to get ice burn. Obviously, hopefully you're learning and um, understanding what it is that you have to do in, in the course that you're not going to do that. Or like, this is like the emergency steer. If you don't know where you are or you can't get this, like there's like the emergency do this, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think like the downfall for the United States in a way is that you're, you're also, you're taking people because you're recruiting them when they're older. Um, their, their window is even shorter. Like, so you're kind of like rushing them to like, okay, we got to learn this. And like, then we're going to enter these races and you got to perform. Mm, right. So people are like trying to, almost like fabricate experience that they don't have. And um, the, the danger in that is, is that they, they don't realize what, they don't know what they don't know. And they don't realize that. And they may get into situations that are extremely compromising and really dangerous. And um, they just don't have the experience to draw on that. And that's, um, I guess that's like, yeah, like the downside. Yeah, it it sounds yes. like there's there's some missing gaps as as for far sure. as the learning cat curve because you got recruited. How long does it take usually for you to be trained enough to go like, all right, now you can start competing? Or wait, 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 what was the first time down like? Yeah, <laughs> like the first time because you said you didn't have any. Well, I mean, wait, you so you did a bobsled. I don't know what the circumstance was for that, but. Yeah, no, like the first time, because again, isn't it like 80 miles no. per hour and it's no. like straight down? So, like, what is that first time? I don't even like driving like? 80 miles per hour. <laughs> like, like, why is that? <laughs> well, actually, crazy. <laughs> they start you lower on the track. So, they start you lower, like the bunny hill, I guess. Okay. And then um, you like gradually move up to the top. But I mean, people move up. I don't think they're doing this anymore. But when I was sliding, <laughs> you would go from the lower start seems, to the top, seems quick probably seems quick. within one week. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. So then, so, so then, yeah. So then, I mean, you'll, they would get to the top and you weren't allowed to <laughs> like run balls to the wall. You know, you weren't allowed to like push hard off the top. Um, a big, because that does change things. Like if you're just like walking off the top, um, it's very different from if you're at a full sprint, it, it just creates different, um, different shapes and the different speed as you go down the track. And so, yeah, I, I don't think they're doing that anymore, yeah. which is probably good. And it <laughs> um, doesn't seem like a sport where learn by doing should be a good, should be a good motto for the training. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'll learn as you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, this is on the job training. Okay. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but however, like, I, I do think that maybe we probably should have spent a little bit more time lower, but um, it changed like the, as you go up, it changes because like I said, you have more speed, there's more curves that you're going through. And so what you did from a lower start isn't going to necessarily be identical when you move up the track. So there's like, there's pros and cons to moving to the top because yes, you have to learn how to actually attack the track from the top. Um, but I, I mean, I would say <laughs> that, um, now I think it's a little bit better, but I do think like, like I said, our disadvantage is that, um, we, we try and get people like too quickly, but, um, yeah. sorry, why don't so they a, recruit earlier? Like, why don't they go after like high schoolers um, who are really athletic or they, so they're kind of doing that now, but for some reason it's, it's like hard to gain traction because they're, cause they have to travel so in, far in, to a course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like most people, um, like Lake Placid, for example, is in the Adirondacks. There's not a ton of people up there. So the people that they can draw from local people and they have, but that pool is pretty small. So it's okay. like, if you're, it, I, it's just like, it's hard. Park city actually has, um, a bigger success with recruiting high school athletes and they have a high school program and they're trying to like groom, groom people because there's actually like a high school in the same town it's not like they're going right five hours away or right. something so um yeah but uh to circle back sorry to your question about the first time down um it was super exciting because it kind of feels like a um a roller coaster in a way uh a little <laughs> bit like flying i would say and it's it's really surreal because like you're you're not really doing much from the lower part of the track. Like you're, you're able to kind of like look through these corners because you're not going super fast, but you're still going like, it's probably still 30 miles an hour, I would guess. And, um, so, and it, so it was, it was like really, really a huge rush. I like, it was so much fun <laughs> because at that level, it, like there wasn't a whole lot of nice. danger Very down good. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, um, but it, it was, it, yeah, it's kind of like flying or like a roller coaster that's just downhill. Um, <laughs> and I think that's kind of a weak analogy if I do say so myself. <laughs> I don't know about you. I would rather ride a roller coaster than go even 30 miles per hour still sounds, still sounds fast. Cause if, if like the only thing I can compare it to is riding a motorcycle 30 yeah. miles, but that's the only thing I can compare it to like versus like driving in a car. <laughs> Are going on on a on a uh, motorcycle. I'm very uh, ignorant, as you can tell. But 30 miles per hour still feels fast. At, at 30 miles per hour, that's enough though to get your adrenaline rushing. I'm guessing. Uh, when you're when you're brand new to it, yeah. I mean, if you told me I had to go now and Dude. do that, I'd be like, this is dumb. Doing no. yeah, that's <laughs> like a NASCAR <laughs> driver going like, hey, you need to follow the speed limit, and they're like, I go 200 miles an hour on the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I will say that it doesn't, so it's not like you're going 80 miles an hour from start to finish, right? If that's like your maximum velocity that you reach somewhere in the track. And, um, so it doesn't feel like you're going that fast. And I think part of it is because your center of gravity is pretty low. Like you're only a few inches off of the track. So I feel like 
you know you're going fast. You can definitely feel that. And the other thing you can really feel is that we experience up to five Gs of force in the corners. And that, like, that's another reason why we have to be strong and fast is because um, when you get to the bottom of the track, you're totally out of breath because it's a lot of force on the body. And it's just, yeah. um, hmm. and because something's approaching you, you know, at like 80 miles an hour, right. um, it's a lot for your central nervous system. So for us, we usually don't do uh, like in a race week, you only get um, two runs per day for three practice days before a race day. And then on other training days, we may take three runs. Um, it's like pretty unheard of for people to take five people do that. But like three is usually where people tap out because their, their focus and their ability to react and like they get tired. It's, it just takes a lot out of, out of your body. Um, but, uh, again, you, you don't really notice how fast you're going. Um, <laughs> like I wouldn't be like, uh, I would guess that I was like, a you know, not dying. An like I, yeah, I, can't, I don't, I can't tell. <laughs> right. Cause you're, you're so focused on everything else. I mean, yeah, yeah, right there. yeah um, not, <laughs> not dying seems to be the number one. So you guys, athletes, one. recruiting. do you yeah, see that, yourself eventually in the Elton athletes are the best at not dying. recruiter going around? <laughs> Cause I've seen you do like many interviews before I actually met you. I think back in 2017, you came to the radio station cause, uh, we have some mutual friends in common. Uh, a little Ken Tuccio action going on here. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, um, I met one? you at that time because you were doing, <laughs> I think, an interview for a fundraiser, I think, at the Blind Rhino. And you had, yeah, and you had a uh, professional, uh, I think, a football player with you, too, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. And I was, and I was like, get out of the way, Ray Rice. I don't want to meet you. I want to meet her. Oh, wanna, Ray Rice. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. The Ray Rice. I was just going to say, Christian didn't remember Do you honestly right see yourself eventually, you, you know, when you're Megan done doing skeleton at the age of 70 or whatever <laughs> you want to retire? Um, do you see yourself in that role, like trying to build enthusiasm and like support for this sport around the country or <laughs> in this area in general? Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about that. I think actually I'm more interested in the like sports psychology in general, but like obviously specifically to skeleton slash bobsled because um, like I came from largely came from a team sport and um, I would say like the mental pressure of, of skeleton is, is similar to someone who's in like an MMA fight and maybe it's not like I don't know. They're obviously different for very different reasons, but, um, I think like the pressure and how important the mental side is, is very evident in both of them because, uh, in skeleton, if you are feeling self doubt, if you're focused on like a curve that you're having problems with, you're focused on, I want to win. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're focused on anything, but, what's currently happening is very, very evident. Even if people are like stressed out, even if their lines look good, if they're executing the corner perfectly, their times, it will show in their times. If they're like, if you're holding tension in your body, your times will still suck. So it's just like, it's so, the mental aspect is so crucial. And it's the same thing for a fighter. If the fighter goes into a fight and they're like, I don't think I can win this or, um, 
they focus on how nervous they are. Uh, you can see it. You can see it in their body language. I yeah. I used to be like a, a Ronda Rousey fan. And I knew when she walked into the ring, the first fight that she oh, had man. against Holly Holm, um, I knew she was going to lose. You could see it. You could see it in her body language. And um, and uh, and you can tell that in, in skeleton athletes too. You can tell when somebody is really on their shit and you know that they're going to perform. Um, like when I watch either com- people I'm competing against after I'm done or um, even watching like the men, you can just, you can see it in their body language and stuff. And it's just so, so important. So I would be more uh, like that is really attractive to me because um because I know how important it has been for me and how, how much I've learned about that and how I've changed as an athlete. So I'd be more interested in the mental side of things rather than like just blatantly mm-hmm. like recruiting or even, I don't really think I would actually even really be involved in coaching. Um, because I, I don't know, like I, I love skeleton, but I don't think that, um, I want to be on the technical side. I'd prefer to be on the mental side. And if I couldn't do that within skeleton, uh, I would really like to do that within the army, um, specifically with like special operations, um, something like that. People who are at like really high, like high level peak mental performance. So is it something you want to research? You want to look more, you want to be a researcher to the psychology of it? Like a a consultant maybe, or like a, someone who's actually helping them and giving the like tools on how they can, can cope. Because I think for me, it's taken me a lot. Like I said, it was a really long road for me to come back from right. blood clots and everything. And just, um, I think I had a, a lot of that stuff kind of intuitively, but uh, along the way, um, I've worked with different people and different like sports psychologists and stuff and have learned a lot of things. And some of it is obviously with like experience, but I think, there's a lot for, for younger athletes, um, that they could, they could utilize early (laughs) on. And I think it will, will help them be more successful sooner than they, they would otherwise like me. Yeah. (laughs) I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let me ask, uh, well, just because of the psychology of it and being in radio and everything like that and communications, I want to know about the music. So you said everyone's in their zone. They've got their headphones on. What is the song that you chose? Right before you go down that hill, you take your head in the off. arms of an angel. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh my gosh. This is such a good question because mine changes a lot. Yeah, um, for a long go. time, I there really liked go. Timber from Kesha. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That is a great song. I was it thinking is. like Mr. Lincoln Worldwide. Park or like. I, I will. So, like, it, it's interesting because your music level also has to. Um, match like the energy that you want. So I think like when you're warming up and everything, um, all of that has to be like pretty high energy and pretty explosive because you have to be, obviously I'm ready to sprint really, really fast. Um, But then like right before I go, a lot of that is kind of actually like uh, more like relaxing. It's a little bit more calming because you kind of got to be centered. It's skeleton's so interesting. And I think the reason why I'm interested in the psychology of it is because it's just so different because you have to be, I'm totally ready physically to perform at a maximum level, but I also have to be really relaxed and present and calm and focused. And so it's this really interesting and intricate balance between those two things of being um, in a, we, we say it's like a relaxed chaos because you're going, like you know, five G's up to 80 miles an hour, but you have to be very calm because um, 
otherwise one, your times will suck. <laughs> Things could go wrong, but you ha like, you can't love, be in like an erratic mindset. I was going to say, I just love the thought of all this, very, like, very go, like seeing this going so, so you, fast you, and like, what is go going ahead, on Christian. inside her head? What is she thinking? And it's just like classical music, like, da, 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 dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> is that it i yeah. wish it was like that <laughs> what is going through your head like what are you what are you thinking at that moment when you're you are rounding the corner are you thinking about the corner itself yeah i'm usually thinking about the corner itself itself and like what i'm trying to do sometimes um especially if i'm somewhere new or that i'm not really familiar with um luckily like now obviously with youtube and everything so you can there's people who have like you know, use the helmet cam or put it on their back and they have like a <laughs> point of view down the whole track. So after this, everybody go to YouTube and be like <laughs> Lake Placid skeleton POV. And you can see what I see. And, um, it's, that's really helpful to learn a track before you get there in advance. But then also like, I will count the corners so that I'm, I know where I'm at. Cause it's easy to get lost when, when you're going that fast, mm. it's easy to be like, just kind of uh, lose track of where you are. So sometimes I'll count, I'll count where I am. Wow. And focus on what steers I want to do. Now, right before you're about to begin, right? Right mm -hmm. before you get on the track, mm -hmm. you, you, you can't have headphones on, right? No. You can't have right um, before you can like, if you're so in a race setting, um, your coach will bring your sled to the line for you. And so you could have your headphones on like up until you get to the line, basically. And when you, you get to the line, what what is going through your head then? Because you're about, you're about, I mean, realistically, it, <laughs> it's hard to, I'm sure it's hard to not think about what you're, what you're about to do. I know that's totally not that's a good totally mindset to, to, you know, psych yourself, psych yourself <laughs> out of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> so what is going through um, your head at that time? So for me, I'm usually, um, I, I talked to myself because sometimes, especially at the world cup level, it was so different, um, compared to just being on the ICC, the intercontinental cup, there's way more spectators and there's camera, there's cameras in your face and they're like right at your side and stuff. So my first, um, couple of world cup races, it was a huge adjustment because there's someone, you know, right there with a camera and, and there's a lot of spectators on the side. And not that I haven't been used to spectators, but it's just like, you can tell that the level of that of competition, it's much higher. And so um, for me, I'm usually like kind of talking to myself just to try and keep myself focusing on me and what it is that I want to do. And usually it's just, it, it is, it's like talking about being present and that, you know, like I came here for me and that I can do this. And I mean, whatever it is that I choose for that day. Um, and usually it's just, it's probably focusing on how I want to start like, okay, I can, I can be explosive here. And, um, like just reinforcing, like I'm, I'm ready and I can do this. Right. And I know that sounds, you know, really one really simple and, and maybe lame. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, it, it's like just a way for me to focus on me because no one else there is in my helmet and, you know, they're not, there, and even people watching on TV, it's really easy to get lost in that. Like, oh my God, there's people watching at home and they're yeah. going to watch every mistake that I make. And like, you know, it, you can easily go down the rabbit hole for sure. So for me, it's like, it's just focusing on, on, on myself. And uh, sometimes, I mean, I'll, sometimes I'll hum <laughs> to myself 
if, if that makes me feel better, I may like sing some queen or I don't know. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good classic. And, um, yeah, I just try and like stay present. That's really it. Really yeah. What do you think about when shattering. you're watching either yourself back or actually, and here's another question too. So here's a two parter, like that's one. And then what is it that you want the people at home watching to know and to think like, while, because all I think is, this is so cool. I want to try it. And then I'm like, no, I don't. And then I like, I really don't know what else. This is roller derby all over again, Alyssa. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Exactly. Um, okay. So what am I thinking when I watch myself, yes. like, uh, like video of myself, like from a race or something? Right. Are you critiquing yourself constantly? Um, no, not, not constantly, but there's definitely like, I, you will know, um, what, where you can really pick up time. Like if you had a glaring mistake, so it's usually for me, I like to focus on like one to three things maximum that I want to change. So like we, we also see video in between runs at races. They'll film what people see at home. They'll film it on an iPad and they'll come and show us so we can see it, which is really nice. Um, Cause you don't usually get like at least that quality of feedback in between. And um we do do video. That's but, like, um, I never thought of that, but that's clever. Like, obviously, it's 2020. Why wouldn't someone think yeah. to do that? But yeah, no, right, I never take advantage so, of those tools. Um, it, so it helps to be like, OK, this is where I definitely made a mistake. Can I can I see it? So I know like what that looked like. And OK, here's my plan to adjust that. And um, it but it's hard to be like not super, super like overly focused on that one thing. And um like tr forcing yourself to execute it perfectly. That's really, really challenging. And then um, what do I want people to know? <laughs> what do I want people to know at home when they're watching? <laughs> um, one that I don't realize that they're watching. And <laughs> like, there's like a, a switch, you know, as soon as you get onto the sled, I don't know, you're just there. You don't even notice that there's camera. Like you don't notice it anymore. I'm sure it would and, ruin your performance if you did um, notice them. Yes, you know. totally. <laughs> And, um, I guess that <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks because a, a lot of people think that like, oh, they just lay there and they go down on their sled. <laughs> like, I heard that. I'm sorry. I'm no, not the one who said, what she it, said. But... <laughs> Yeah. And it's really not like it. There's a lot of, um, I mean, you wouldn't think about it. There is a lot of physics and just thinking about centrifugal force. What is, what are the compound effects here? Like there's, there's a lot to it. Um, other than just laying there and the, and, and it's, it can be really hard to come back from any mistake. Even if it was small, it's just, it's compounding. It's like a snowball effect. If you make a mistake in corner two, it's going to chase you until corner, corner 10 before you can really like try and remedy that. So, um, yeah. And races are won and lost by hundreds of seconds. And it's just like the smallest things can do you know you. when you crash into that ending foam or whatever it is, <laughs> do you know at that moment, like before you even get up, like I did it or I totally blew it or do you wait yes. until you see the board? Um, I, I think you, you kind of know intuitively if it was good or bad, but it's hard. There's no way that I would know where I am like in the, in the scope of the field, the other competitors, because you just, you just don't know who's going to show up on race day. And that's like the other, the other thing is that, um, there's obviously favorites all the time for who's going to win and who are like the main performers and things like that. But 
absolutely anybody can show up on race day and take it. And uh, that's also encouraging because um, it's not always someone's race day. I mean, I've seen people absolutely blow it. People who are like in for an overall title and crash or like something crazy happens to them in their run. It's just, it's not guaranteed. And um, you know, that, that should be, it should be encouraging that it, it really could be anybody's race. And especially on the women's side on the world cup tour this year, the women are on top of each other. Like the times are 100th apart, 200th apart, like just like down the line, like first, second, third, fourth, like they're just within hundreds. And that's, that's insane. So it makes it even more um, difficult because you're, you know, Jeez. you could be performing at your best and be in 15th. And it's, um, I think a lot of people don't realize like how high the level of competition is in skeleton. It really is. Cause like, we're just, we're not known skeleton. Nobody knows what the hell skeleton is, but man, it is one of the most demanding sports I've ever done. Yeah. I, I, I literally, every time I watch and I've, I've seen you cause you, you post a lot of great content on your, uh, on your, uh, your Instagram and everything, which I, oh, I do oh, want to take actually, a second I have to a, vlog. I have a question about that. Uh, about your got Instagram. She does a lot of great content. How the hell um, did you do that? Pull wanna, uh, How'd you do? Are you joking? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> the pull-up video where where she is, Meg literally is in a pull-up pull position is hard enough, and, and somehow just, takes off just a t-shirt while in the pull-up position, and then does With five pull-ups, <laughs> and yeah. then puts the shirt back on and does five more. I don't understand how rip people just they take an exercise and go like, how can we make this harder? Okay, so the reason I did that was because people were like. I'm going to like do a handstand up against the wall and take my shirt off. And I'm like, that's easy. Cause the gravity is like helping pull your shirt off and you're, you're <laughs> stable. Like you're against a wall. And like, so I was like, this challenge is dumb. Unreal. So I'm going to do this. One. Yeah. <laughs> and she like, absolutely kills it totally. too, which is uh, which is really <laughs> good. You definitely got to head over to our Instagram, the savage Meglet. Um, which, and even if you just type in into official. Instagram too, Megan Henry, you come up because you got the blue mm -hmm. seal, girl. You got the blue seal. She's verified. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, teach us, official. please. Teach us, please. That's right. When did you become official on uh, on Instagram? How does that work? Uh, how right. or when? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> let's start with how how uh, how does that how does that work? Do you have to have a certain amount of followers to get uh, to get verified? Um, no. So actually most of the team USA athletes, um, get that through our, like, I don't know, team USA social media coordinator. They definitely, they always do that before the Olympic games. Anybody who, uh, I didn't make an Olympic team yet, but, um, anybody who is going to the, make the Olympic team and, and isn't already verified, they will verify them because then you'll see, like, I don't know, people will create fake accounts and stuff like that when the, when the games come around. Right. So they, they verify them, um, through Team USA, that's how I got it. And so, no, you don't have to have a certain number of followers. It's just that if you're, um, you know, some sort of a creator and slash artist slash athlete or whatever, um, they usually, they'll verify you because you, I don't know. I, I don't right, really know right, the right. reason. I guess because <laughs> just so people don't copy your your likeness or fake yeah. who you are. Um, yeah, because you are a public figure. Yeah, I think like that's, that's mostly why. They don't want someone, <laughs> I don't know 
just like completely destroying yeah, my image yeah. or something. <laughs> right. That would be that would be horrifying because you yeah, also have your own the world. You know what the yeah. Olympics yeah. see. So. Deal. Yeah. I, I mean, and also you have sixteen thousand followers. Mm -hmm. There's always yeah. going to be a chance. There's going to be one or 16,000 creepers who are going to try and Dude, make you no know, copies of your profile. There are so many creepers. So I had my, I made my profile public because I entered this contest like, uh, I don't know how long ago that was, I guess a year ago now or maybe more. Um, I entered this contest, which I will never do again, to uh, get on the cover of Jet Set Magazine because the prize That's was right. Like, I don't Fuck, know. I would have competed. $25,000, $20,000, 50, <laughs> I can't even remember what the prize was. It was an absurd amount of money. So I'm like, uh, I'll enter. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of my followers came. I, I had a bunch because I'm also in the military. So there's been some stuff um, that like I've gotten just through my affiliations with different uh, military pages and things like that. <laughs> and then I did get a lot with during that while I was promoting that stupid contest that I don't support whatsoever. Anymore. Why is it so stupid? Well, okay. So I'm sorry curious, I'm genuinely, because I really, I'm like into the modeling and stuff like that. So it is an interesting story. I voted for her for, for, yes. for that jet set. Okay. And I, this yeah, thing, you got I so close. Totally. I think, I feel like the whole thing is rigged and I'm not just saying that because I'm butthurt that I didn't win, but like, so you can have people vote for you. Um, like they have to have a Facebook account and they can vote once a day, every day. And the thing draws on for months. There's so many rounds. So you have to like harass everyone, you know, to vote for you every day in this thing for months, which is really, that's like a full-time job in itself. And on top of that, they can buy votes um, and oh, boy. so they can pay, yeah. uh, I don't know what it is, $10 to get two votes or whatever it is. Um, it's a little shifty. And so, but so the, they try and get people to, to buy votes because they're, they say that it goes to the B positive foundation, which is for childhood cancer. So like, okay, that's a good cause. I can do that. But then you have people. So then only like a super small percentage of those purchased votes goes to that foundation. That's what's what? like super shysty about it. Cause it's like yeah. 5% or like I, it's under 5%. I'm not kidding. It's something stupid um, low. That, that sounds like um, illegal. I know. And so then the, um, they, the girl who ended up winning was like, they asked her, like, I, I ended up going to this event because I'm like, I'm going to this stupid event because there's like red carpet, they have planes, they have these nice cars. I'm showing up because I want to see who freaking won this thing. And then they, <laughs> this is in Arizona. I went, I had a friend there, so there was a reason for me to go. But, um, so the girl who won, they asked her like, you know, how did you, how do you think that you won? Like, what was, what was your strategy? And she was like, oh, you know, I'm she... really active on social media. She had like 300 followers. And I was like, mm. okay. So <laughs> it was really bizarre. It was, and she had like not a lot of posts either. Really good, like pretty, pretty girl. But it was just like, come on, dude. Like, and then it was so weird because then like, we go to this event, you see all these girls who are like, I was in this, this jet set contest. They're like, you know, thrilled about it. Like it's a bragging, right? And no offense to them. But, um, so, <laughs> and there's like, uh -huh. I'm not kidding, you, like, sugar daddies are their guests. And I'm like, that's why the hell you made it. You have some like sugar daddy. <laughs> it was so <laughs> gross. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen. 
And then um, I'm glad it was a life experience. But uh, and the other thing is that a lot of people did buy votes for me, which was super grateful. But as a self-funded athlete, like there, I think the amount of money that people spent on voting for me, I've never even fundraised that much money. So for me, that was like, okay, I'm going to, these people are spending, which I'm grateful. Like, thank you so much for everybody who supported me in that. But then it's like, I may not even win this thing. And I don't see any of that money. You know what I mean? And like, when I fundraise, um, I donate to blood clot awareness. Like I donate to causes that are important to me. And so um, that's why, long story short, I hate the Miss Jet Set contest, the Maxim <laughs> cover model contest, all of those things are the same. It is a well, I, w- I won't be, I won't be doing that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So You've don't enter that contest. Me. Oh, like sugar daddy. <laughs> I was now thinking about it, but now I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, these people probably paid. But I mean, okay, let's say they spend. Maybe they have like ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. I guess it must be worth it that they might get twenty in return. I don't know. They probably spend like literally half of whatever Facts. the prize is, or seventy-five percent of the prizes. You'd have get. more luck buying stocks in order to I, do yeah, that, I know. which is I'm like, like the weirdest thing. I, I don't understand why they would uh, they would take that risk. I think maybe it's because if these girls like had sugar daddies, maybe they wanted to win because they want not only one of the prize money, but also like they wanted to be Miss Jet Set. She they was to number have, like, one. Yeah, because they do. They get to like, you know, they get on the cover. Of this I wonder magazine, if their sugar daddies to have to take a separate form of transportation because they're so like 60 cool years sure, older than the actual eh, thing. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is this your grandfather? No, he's my like, date. Eh. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> You're too, okay, you're too got it. This, uh, Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh God! Yeah. So oh my God. <laughs> well, you won in my eyes, and that's Thank what matters. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Miss Jet Set competition doesn't recognize my eyes as an official judge, uh, unfortunately. That, and I literally, as I was saying just, that sentence, I was like. It you know what halfway through i'm like i'm gonna commit to it this sentence is wrong though i should probably say that (laughs) (laughs) i just went for it you know what i mean uh that's right i'm I'm just i'm very brave is all i'm saying so uh meg seriously thank you so much for for coming on the podcast um literally time flies by every time i'm sorry uh, it's kind of our thing no no no. literally this is the platform for that this is (laughs) this is literally it's what we do. Absolutely. Um, really incredible story. Seriously. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your service as well. Um, thank you. Little fun fact, side lore. Thank you also for bringing me to the uh, uh, Lil Wayne <laughs> Blink-182 concert. Yeah, Alyssa was great. there, yes, actually. Wait. Oh, right. the fuck I don't remember was. that. But I remember yeah, seeing right. you, but I didn't know you were with no way! Yeah, it was me. <laughs> and if I'm gonna get replaced with somebody, it's a big circle now. Yeah, that makes sense. To do it. Oh Fuck, my god, it it's invite. a fun circle that Christian's not a part Sorry, of. <laughs> Meg, do you want to be Christian's replacement? I'm, I'm just thinking about it. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, Christian, you didn't compete in the Miss Jet Set competition. <laughs> yeah. I would. You like didn't have. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So thank you for everything, and that is fun lore. That literally, uh, uh, I don't. Yeah, Alyssa was literally at that concert. Man. I think I left to go. I don't think I remember the concert. Period. <laughs> I no, I, I understand that part. Most people didn't. Uh, that's right. So we, uh, I was literally sitting with Meg and her two friends, who her two friends are a riot. 
uh, especially your buddy. I, I, I apologize. I forget Adam. his name. Adam. Adam. Yeah, that's right. You knew, you knew right away who I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. They, because they, him and the freaking Uber driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a whole thing. It, it was, uh, it was the Uber driver that we had is one of the greatest men I've ever uh, met in Hartford <laughs> in my entire life. He, he drove a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> it was insane. Meg we didn't have like- a seatbelt. She was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to put your arm out and be, and be a seatbelt for me just in case <laughs> we crash. And I'm like, you know what? When <laughs> I, was a kid, insane. I didn't think that I was going to be a seatbelt as an older, uh, <laughs> as an older man. <laughs> Look, I've come so far. I called my mom. I was like, mom, I was a seatbelt tonight. She was like, Oh, I'm so proud of you. No, please go go to go to college. Go to get your master's degree or something. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot of fun lore. We've all met each other in our own in our own ways, which is awesome. And that was a great concert. Did not think it was going to be good, honestly. From what I can yeah, remember, great, I, think it was I, I had an good. awesome time. <laughs> it was good. It. I liked it. Was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty. Going. I, was, <laughs> I think going. I should post the picture. Christian, do you want to? Do you want to head out? I mean, do you? Do you need to be here? <laughs> I'm so nice to my co-host. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. You were the, you were there in spirit. Um, that was mostly because a lot of people were smoking weed there. I'm gonna um, Photoshop him into and Megan too because I didn't meet her because she was uh, sitting. I think much closer. I was in the lawn. Oh, yeah, you were the in the lawn. lawn. Kids. And then Maxwell yeah. just took a trip up to say <laughs> hi. And I have a picture of me where I might look high. <laughs> I should post that on our Instagram just yeah, so everyone can right. know exactly how that yeah. day was. Just Photoshop everybody's picture in, <laughs> including Christian's cat. So uh, thank you, Meg. As always, we had a you. great time, just like at the concert. Um, just less weed in this scenario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to follow Meg on Instagram, the Savage Meglet, um, you can also follow her on uh, on her Facebook page, um, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is is Megan uh, Megan Henry or Meg Henry actually. Um, I have a, yeah. an athlete page that's um, Megan Henry. Yes. Okay. So uh, definitely go like her page. Uh, also, it's MeganHenry.us is your uh, is your website. Uh, that's right. I did research. I work hard sometimes. Um, so make sure you go on our website, follow on Instagram, uh, make sure to like her page on, uh, on Facebook. And, uh, if she ever enters a, uh, competition again, <laughs> um, please, please vote for <laughs> her. And, um, if you're a sugar daddy, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you to reach out. Don't be a creeper. My just, Venmo just, is at Meg Henry for all the sugar daddies listening. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Support her. Please don't ask her for any pictures, though. That's yeah, very no. not okay. You won't yeah. get any, I'm a terrible that's, sugar baby. That's a tip <laughs> right there. That's stellar. Low quality sugar baby. Great athlete. That's uh, stellar. <laughs> that, that is a gender bio. That's right. That is a gender bio. I like it. <laughs> that's... So Meg is going to meet her future husband now with that Tinder uh, bio. So congratulations. We have helped you out in so many ways. I know. Thank you. Blanche, she helped me know now what to think when I'm watching Skeleton on TV. Thank you. Yes, this is this is huge insight into it. Definitely check it out and definitely go on YouTube and look up the uh, the skeleton at Lake Placid, the POV. Um, I've seen it before. Uh, I literally can't even watch it. That's how much of a coward I am is that I can't even watch something that someone is actually uh, someone is actually doing. So please follow it. Uh, follow her on, on our, all of our social media. Make sure to follow us at Maxwell's Magic Hour. 
Uh, I am at Maxwell McFly, at Christian Turnquist, at Pebs1077. And don't forget to follow our mascot at Juno Sequa. She's not hmm. here right now, unfortunately. She's not in the studio with me. Um, but she is. She exists in all of our hearts. Napping and, in spirit. Uh, she's napping in spirit. She's always, always napping during the workday. Uh, but please follow all of us. I know that's a lot of information. Uh, <laughs> but thank you once again, Meg, for coming on the podcast. It's been a great time and uh, good luck. I want to future competition. You're going to kill it. Guess all not. right, Christian, do the honors. Goodbye.